In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witness. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. They're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the End Sons podcast. I'm Sam. And I am Blaine. And a question that has been asked a lot lately that is something that I keep finding myself going down the same type of answer is, how are you doing these days? How how are you feeling these days? And I think, you know, that question, hey man, how are you? Is asked in a certain way that the the question I just said is is different because there's this, there's a lot going on in this moment and there's been a lot leading up to this summer. And it feels like the last year and a half have been leading up to this summer. And it's been influencing my answer a lot because when I hear, how are you doing these days? I go, oh, I feel like I have been holding my breath, waiting for the space that this summer has indicated for me. And now that it's here in full swing, I thought it would be really helpful to begin fleshing out what I've been thinking about for the summer, what I've been thinking about in terms of rhythm and answering a little bit of that question kindly for each other and for the audience. And gosh, back when we were recording this, our lilac bushes are blooming and they only last for a little while. And basically, if you're trying to find me and I'm not doing some necessary task around the home, I'm probably standing in the back left-hand corner of my yard with my face stuck in the lilacs. Heck yeah. And it (laughs) feels like my body and my nose know things that I have needed beauty and warmth and rest I think maybe more this year than in other years. We always talk about summer. I mean, like Eldridge family culture is like, woohoo, summer, we can go to the mountains, we can go adventure, we can go do these things. It feels different to me this year. Does it feel different to you? It feels different because of a startling recent experience. I was with a friend, uh, Slightly older guy, so you know he's got grown kids, and we were catching up, and he was talking about his summer plans and the things that he's been waiting to do, and uh, he's finally, after years of not having a dirt bike, acquired a dirt bike again, and you know one of his one of his kids is like uh, going to be mountain biking, adventuring a lot this summer, and as he was talking about his summer, I realized how much I had forgotten mm-hmm. that summer as a, as a thing, summer as the unique space of play and rejuvenation and adventure existed. <laughs> and that oh, sounds silly gosh. to say, but I felt like Gandalf in the Two Towers being like, Gandalf, that is what they used to call me. Mm. Gandalf the Grey. Where I went, oh, 
yeah, a different gear. Mm -hmm. That's what I used to work for, shoot for, value. And I've only had, I only had one summer that wasn't like that. 2020 was different. It was the year day pandemic. It was the year day, your background stress is incredible. It was, what do I always start burping when we start podcasting? (laughs) I don't know, but you do get a little burpy. (laughs) We've talked about the fact that right now, it is stressful to be alive. So I still feel that in my body. I still feel that. I like the old Star Wars movies because it was sort of like the ship was held together with duct tape and almost sheer will. But that's, I feel like, what you're describing as we're coming in. I could miss the summer because I feel like if I let go of my hold, like the wings are going to fall off. Right. Hearing another guy talk about his summer in what felt like the old way or an other way made me realize that I hadn't even been and like uh, framing this summer that way. Like mm-hmm. hadn't been framing it or anticipating it in the unique terms of a slower gear and then rejuvenation, play, adventure, and all of those things. Right. It kind of blew my mind. I remember driving away from that going, it feels like there has not been enough time to lose that skill. Right? Like it shouldn't have just taken one summer to derail it. (laughs) But I I don't know. The last few podcasts we've aired, the conversations we're having, there's this sense of urgency. There's a sense of like high importance to stay alert and stay informed and stay engaged and kind of keep the momentum going. Because if we if we lose momentum or if I let hold of the wings, this whole thing's going to fall apart and we're all going to end up in therapy for bad reasons. Since you referenced the Lord of the Rings, um, I'll reference it as well. Early in The Return of the King, Gandalf has just taken Pippin to Gondor because Pippin sort of stole the Palantir out of Gandalf's bag and accidentally made eye contact with the Dark Lord <laughs> and now has some undue attention on him, which may have helped Frodo. Anyway, wow. They get to Gondor and the guard is haggard and Gandalf goes off to meet with the steward and Pippin's left with like the, the city guard who are like showing him around for the day, taking yeah. him to their barracks. And- Baragon, right? I actually don't remember his name. That sounds, that sounds Lord of the Rings-y enough that it passes <laughs> the test. And I remember, like, you read about it, they're they're weary, they're losing hope, they're fighting this losing battle of attrition, and Pippin sings, they, they ask him for a song, and he, and he sings, he gets on the table and he sings. And I remember thinking about that, like, going... Book, not movie. This is him. This is in the book. Denethor and the Tomato. No, yeah, very different. Yeah. It's still haunting. It's still, I don't know that it was, like, a happy song, um, but I think it starts off that way. My memory serves. I remember like reading that going, oh, this is a really good picture of the you can't keep fighting unless you have a reason that you're fighting. You can't keep like there needs to be a a life that you are protecting, a life that you are returning to. Otherwise, you're just in high alert and assault and attrition, and then you die. 
and that's it. And that picture for me was really poignant and hopeful of how oh, in the midst of things, I want to be able to find moments that give me pause for joy and for rest and f- to get out of these autopilots of maintain momentum, maintain the aircraft integrity, or this all falls apart. Yes, I know. I'm so aware of the temptation in a hard time to batten down the hatches and to stay in slow death mode. But I'm aware looking at the next several months that I need to remember how to treat a summer and do that no matter what is happening in the background for every reason, for the life of my heart, for the life of my family, for something worth fighting for. You know, no matter where you are in the war, you can't stop doing the basic rhythms of human life. And I just think of people who in far more immediately pressing and austere circumstances, a la the famous Christmas Eve truce of World War I, Mm -hmm. and things like that, have done the discipline of joy, have done the thing, not just because they needed it, but because that's the right thing to do. Mm. So, Sam... Tell me the core disciplines of summer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is airing, and we're in the thick of summer at this point. And so things that I've learned, and we're going to pull in another framework here, but for me, it's a balance. We've talked elsewhere about the cost-to-joy ratio on adventures. I think that actually brought that up on a Ransom Heart podcast recently as well. So I'm not going to touch on that so much as the, I need a balance of actively pursuing things that are kind and refreshing. Actively pursuing things that push me and that are the kind of things I associate with adventure and newness and um, stories that will eventually be told. And actually developing, once again, the capacity to dream and to anticipate. And so for me, these are the categories that, they're my, they're my core summer, the things that I could forget and to go, oh, okay, I need to fight for rhythms of the family bike ride or the family walk of the, the days at the, the pool or the backyard. I mean, Susie and I buy the Ace Hardware $12 plastic pool and put it in the backyard. And I think we go through one a summer yeah. because they get so beat up. But that's one of those things for me. It's like, are you kidding the level of joy and presence and care that goes into that for me, like it, it, it feels crazy disproportionate. Right? I'm able to do something that brings that much joy and that much care. And yet it's also, I think most of the time, inconvenient. The idea of you'd be like, oh, okay, we're going to go get this thing. And it's not what I think it should be. I think we should be somewhere else financially. We should we should be able to afford one of those big pools. Or we should have a pool in our yard. You know, we actually should live somewhere warmer where we can have a pool all year round. And all of these, like, there's just the, like these slippery temptations to compare and to not be enough. And to go, no, small is good. Small is beautiful. Small is actually really caring. That's why I love the scent of the lilacs right now. Like I, I have no control over them. They're all really small, but combined they are overwhelming and the effect of it is kindness and restoration. 
So that, that's my broad categories and then revisiting the small one there. To revisit the middle one, by the time this airs, we'll have done a triathlon. So summer rolls around and that's where like I start setting things, goals like that. Goals like, hey, we should go do this 12-hour relay race, which we didn't do this year. Um, kind of bummed about that. Uh, they're like these communal things. One thing I think we're going to end up doing, which I, don't, I think I might have mentioned it to you, but it's like the run a mile every hour. Bo Miles is a cinematographer and YouTuber who did this. He did a marathon over 24 hours and he had himself do like projects in between. But I, you know, and maybe we'll do like a half because I don't know my body could sustain that. But things like that where you go, hey, July 20th, let's... Let's all get a couple of guys together. We'll do some projects. We'll cook some brats. And we're going to run a mile every hour for 13 hours. And we'll have done like the weirdest half marathon ever. I need things like that in the summer too. I bet. Well, you know, I want I want to drag you on a 200-mile multi-pass bike ride. Yeah, all That's, of a sudden my half marathon doesn't sound that like, your half like a thing. marathon sounds more tiring. Hey, <laughs> by the time this airs, we'll have probably done the Firecracker 50. That counts for something, right? Oh, yeah, if we do that. <laughs> why, so why do you want to go right 200 miles? Because it's, just, it's a beautiful challenge. <laughs> exactly. But it's the kind of summertime thing that you would pull the trigger on. Yes. You're, you mentioned uh, another framework earlier. This is a bit adapted, at least half adapted from a talk that Morgan Snyder gave at the uh, homecoming conference in 2019? 2018. I think it was, I think it was 19 because... No. Maybe it was 18. It was 18. Time is flying Time. Time Value this time in your life, kids. <laughs> who are the kids who are listening? Uh, and you guys still do the uh, Seti Slickers quote if you're going to do the thing. But three coordinates that help me think about summer generally are the concepts of Sabbath, play, and risk. Uh, I want to start with play, actually. We've done whole podcasts on Sabbath. Play has a very easy definition. It's funny that as adults, we have to be precise. We we really, because we'll cheat, we'll half play, if you're me, and to go. In, and we half play when we go on a mountain bike ride, but it's also our fitness plan. Yeah, uh, right. And we go on a bike ride, but it's also our time with God. Or we go to... Uh, shoot some hoops because we need to think. And I would go, those, that's, a, those are, that's a good way to do all of those things. It's not play anymore. Uh, you, ha- you have to be pretty intentional with uh, play is something that you do where there's no motive besides the joy to be had, right? It is, uh, it is wasteful in the best sense. And this is really funny because some of the things that are playful for me, sometimes my soul will tell me that I'm cheating Mm. when it's like, you're not trying to play right now. This also happens with like Sabbath and rest where it's like, you are trying to get better. Mm -hmm. I won't do it. And when play is the next thing that I do, but my real motive is to get as much done that day as possible. My soul will read it as work. And I'll be like, why aren't you getting on board with this kind of like, 
one hour of spike ball outside. And it's like, because you didn't stop charging because you didn't uh, mm. take the time to let your motive transition and kind of see what you could do. Because actually, play needs rest first. Uh, or I found or I won't be able to get on board. So things like backyard kiddie pools are great play for me. Uh, things like Em and I, Em's a one-time excellent basketball player. She's still way better than me. So we like going to the school with a basketball and, you know, while our kids run around, we'll play horse and one-on-one and, uh, and be really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because the motive is like, hey, it's really fun to be a married couple in the 30s with kids running around playing one-on-one basketball at the elementary school. I love that. To be honest, play is harder to pull off than it sounds, like you were naming. And yet it's the thing that I find myself most responding to. Like there's this <gasps> level of play where I'm like, oh, I so... It's it's one of the first things to go when I need to get things done in life. You just, as a young man, as a parent, like it's hard to maintain that level of play. For us, play was pretty big in even keeping our sanity during months of lockdown last year. And I love uh, reggaeton music. And so we would just <laughs> keep these, we just turn on these playlists and have random dance parties in the kitchen. And for 15 minutes. Like, all you're doing is dancing and being silly with the kids, with your wife. My wife, it was awesome. And I love that kind of stuff because it does feel perhaps most like the lilacs for me. Yes. I think one thing that's, you nailed it with reggaeton, is that play works well when it's low stakes. And so... I love getting friends, singles, cruises together and choosing to go to one of the playgrounds in the city that's really fun and then challenging the adults to do ridiculous things that are like, you know, Emma and I love timing each other to be like, do you think, you know, that I can do every activity on the playground in 30 seconds? And then you look like an idiot as you like run around and are like really fast trying to do the monkey bars. And I could find a way to then like turn that into a workout and shift it out of play. And I'd be like, <laughs> exactly. now I'm going to do this five times on one minute centers. Yeah. But I don't do that. Or right? I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'll go, do you think that I can go down all three slides on this playground only taking 10 steps? And like the boundaries of the purpose of fun, of making it light. You got to, when we go, remember, watch what kids do. Mm -hmm. Do that. (laughs) If you are in a life stage where you don't have kids, I know young guys, thinking of you, Spencer, who do this great, uh, who are like, yeah, but I'm still, I'm still going to do something like I'm going to just, you know, challenge a buddy to a paper boat making contest and then we're going to send it over the rapids downtown and like see who wins Mm -hmm. and to go your soul will remember how to do this uh make like low stakes rewinding to sabbath Mm -hmm. how's that going for you by the way 
Sabbathing? I haven't done deliberate Sabbath in like a dog's age. I should out myself right yeah, now. Yeah, no, uh, same. Um, none, of, none of these are easy. I mean, that's why it's so frustrating. No, so my plan actually for the next month is to, to enough of you, enough of you listeners have been getting on me about the comments I make about starting my day early and you're all like, just do it already. So fine, fine. I'm listening. Who gets on you? I guess I don't see these comments. Well, they they do. A people little, in a the little real bit. world who see you? Lovingly. No, people write in. People will do poems. It's fine. I like it. You guys, it's great. It means you're listening. I'm, go- I'm listening to you too. So my plan for the next month, I'm going to be starting my day an hour earlier than my kids get up for the sake of that hour being time with God and time to start my day that doesn't require coffee and to see what else I need that day. I think some of those days I've got some home exercise equipment and I'm currently gearing up for these triathlon and bike races that we're doing. And so that's not the goal every day, but it is every day, 15 minutes with God. And just to, just to see, that's like a something to you know, spitball here with you guys. I really, I enjoyed the February experiment a lot, but I've been thinking about something for later this year. We talk a lot about our different dimensions as humans. This is very much an aside, but spirit, soul, body, heart, mind, will, these these sorts of dimensions. And I'm curious if we did like things for each, like a month that is taking up a practice to heal your soul, taking up a practice that is physical, taking up a, a practice for your mind. So this is something that I'm, I'm interested in. So I think I'm going to give it like a little micro experiment for me for the next month of I don't Sabbath. Sabbath turns into tasks or malformed play. You know, we do like the, hey, today's a Sabbath. So we're going to go and this is a true story. We like go to the bakery, get some scones from the local bakery. Okay, now we're a little bit stressed because we said that we didn't have any more grocery money this month, but it's okay because oh, yeah. it's a Sabbath. Now we're going to go to the Garden of the Gods and we're going to walk around. Oh, but the kids kind of were freaking out because we didn't go to the area they wanted to. Now once we're five minutes on the trail, everybody's fine and they've all had the option of coming or having the consequence of their actions later in the day. And then you're like, I'm finally here and this is already not doing what I think Sabbath is supposed to do for me. And you finish and it's 10.30 in the morning and like, now what? So yeah, I can see why Sabbath is like a hard thing to maintain. So anyway, that's why I'm limiting it for me for the next month. Getting up an hour before everybody else to create that space and having and just having it be part of my intentional summer Sabbath healing. Yes. If I could give some simple definitions, if also if I'm gonna say play is there's no reason to do it besides joy, alongside joy. I think the best Sabbath definition, we've done obviously whole podcasts on this, would be some version of what would you do had the kingdom already come? And when you ask that question, of your heart and 
practice the relief of the Father really covering you. When, when you see how your soul responds, that's a great moment. You may have some territory to push into. That might sound tiring. It might, you know, Sabbath is very triggering for me too. Mm. And yet, when I think of my summer, I think of how much there is to get to do. I think of how much there is to get done. And I think that if I were to ask myself the question, okay, well, looking at July, looking at August, if the kingdom had already come, if Jesus were already back, what would I love to give some attention to? And it's, you know, some of the first things that come to mind are the kind of low stakes activities that never rise to the top of the heap. And so it's not necessarily like, I would go hiking with my family more. I'm like, I don't know. There are some things that are pretty easy, like watercolor painting with my daughter and yep. uh, the, how much her heart responds when we go to garden stores and she gets to pick out flowers and she always picks out the ones that are going to die right away. Um, and they often do. Mm-hmm. Um, but going in, in terms of Sabbath and going, yes, Sabbath has a lot of dimensions and it is another rhythm. It's not exactly the same as rest when we go, it's when it's delight, not necessarily mm-hmm. um, napping. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, let me jump in here. Uh, that was my birthday gift this year. Um, in another life, I would have pursued um, marine biology and something I love are fish and aquariums and so I finally decided to like own that to a higher degree than like the goldfish in the bowl from Calvin and Hobbes and like get into what does it look like to do aquascaping? What is aquaculture? Like what plants do live well underwater without CO2 and spend all of this time watching videos and researching different varieties of shrimp and snails. And I, I it was a great first pass now my my perfectionism wants to get in and create like something astounding but it was several hundred dollars worth of work and time and it's frivolous like what for what i've got this now 20 gallon fish tank when you come in my house and i think you know most days we may not even notice it but actually a lot of days i just end up sitting with the the baby in the rocking chair right in front of it just kind of like rocking myself slowly and watching the movement of leaves underwater and watching the crazy way that shrimp jump and sail and swim and as the fish kind of move through all of the underwater plants and between the rocks and the wood. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's my answer for Sabbath. So I don't, maybe I'm the only one, you know, in the Ensign's world who does this, (laughs) but I found it to be very healing. Yes, that's so good. You know, as a therapist, how many dimensions of restoration are represented in that too. The motion, the meditation, all of that. The, I think of it, here's a funny one. What if it were like a class or something such where Mm -hmm. you go, oh man, yes, recovery. Yes, things in your life need to change. Yes, there may be practices that you need to embrace. But when we're talking about this, what if Jesus had come back? How would, what were things that you would prioritize? We had a really interesting experience, uh, a good friend and I recently, and he has an experience of 
very intense chronic stress. Mm. And we went and we did a very intense medical class together that we've been wanting to do that is scenario-based medical training with like shouting and simulated gunfire and it you're so a high it, stress environment yeah very high stress it it you know it sends your heart rate through the roof your cortisol is pumping and when we finished it we realized when we were leaving hey do you feel so relaxed and it was like hmm. yeah i feel better than i've felt all week and we went it's not because you needed to get your adrenaline up so that it would come down. We have to rewind and go, it's because this is something that's so outside of our everyday life that we really wanted to go do and felt permission from God to do it. Our wives released us. And, uh, and you know, obviously this is the, the lines between uh, play, Sabbath, and risk are deliberately blurry. There's overlap. So more than one can happen at a time. But the effect on our soul of doing something play and Sabbathy was that even though it was a high stress environment, uh, the activity was the context was such that driving home, I was like, man, I feel so much more peaceful than I did before going into the mm. crazy high stress, like timers are going and you have an. Uh, I'm sure that people listening and half of our listeners are going, that sounds like hell. And they're half going, that sounds like so much fun. So you may not need the same kind of activity. You might have a very different answer of the people around you and yeah, that's okay. Okay, so take us into risk. What, how would, then the other two. So uh, risk is the one which is, uh, f- <laughs> it is important for the masculine soul. It is a way of fighting boredom. It's something that you need. And where I would put it is, where is the adventure that is pushing the frontier enough? Mm. Not, you know you know what? I'm just, I don't have a background in hiking, but I'm going to go do a 20-mile hike and go, there may be a space for that. There may be a time for that, Some, you know? People do do those radical boundary-breaking things. Mm -hmm. What I am going to recommend is I would go, there's probably a body of adventures that you feel very confident that you could do. And then there's a moment when you begin to think more and more, when you begin to push, kind of sort of push the boundary a little bit, where you start to go, oh, maybe. And then way far away, there's the one that's like, I would die. Don't go do that. But when I spend a whole summer only doing camping trips, only doing family outings, only fishing places like where the stakes are never high, I start to go crazy (laughs) and I feel the atrophy in my soul because there's something that's fed There's something that's only restored by the thing that's like, this year I want to do this 200-mile ride. Mm -hmm. It's in the space of, uh, I don't have time for a 400-mile bikepacking trip. I can't do a 200-mile ride in a day. 
I have friends who are at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I go, overnight, centennial, centennial? I don't know. Maybe. I think so. And if the, you know, the route that I want to do, if we messed up, we could kind of coast back and be like, so I'm not pushing here into the high adventure life or death, but I'm pushing the boundary enough. And last year for me, it, you know, it was doing, um, it was a mountain bike challenge and it was, can you ride a thousand vertical feet a day? And I'm like, that's not just fitness. That's not just mountain biking. That's me going like, I don't know if I can do that Mm -hmm. now. You guys know the story that I recruited a friend who did like double the mileage, double the distance every day without breaking a sweat, didn't even enter all the things that he did. And it's like, yeah, well, he has a different frontier. He has a different boundary and he's feeding his soul in other areas that might not, that might be totally unrelated to mountain biking. Totally. So risk, riff on risk. Yeah. uh, Every summer it comes around and I have begun taking up an event of some kind. You know, several years ago, it was the half Ironman. I'd love to do one of those next year. I'd love to do a full Ironman at some point. I'm learning that there is a sustainable rhythm with a young family and with work and with grad school, all of that, that the event I'm doing this year, then Olympic triathlon, and then the 50-mile relay that you and I are going to do, neither of those feel impossible. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do fine. I'm actually going to, I'm going to finish them. Um, and, and yet there's still the, the thrill, the excitement, um, with the, the triathlon, I've I've been inviting a bunch of new people into it. So there's more of like this paternal sense of like, I, I, I feel like I should have gotten my entry for free at this point based off of all of the people I've convinced. That's so true. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Around around eight to maybe nine people I've gotten to sign up. So, you know, buy eight, get one free. Come on, guys. Nobody knows who I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. It's a hundred bucks. Who cares? But it's fun for me to extend something I love to other people rather than having it just be this isolated sport. Um, and that's something I've wrestled with. Like you go for a bike ride with somebody not your skill level, you sort of have like two choices. You can ride at their level and not get a workout and feel torn if you're not doing it on purpose. Or you can kind of ride at your level and try and pull them along and maybe have a bad relational time. So when you do an event with people who are not at your physical fitness level, you kind of have to work twice as hard. Because if you want to go do social bike rides and social runs, you then have to go do a different one that's for exercise for you. I've done bike rides where I like literally never got my heart rate up because you're just you're just kind of cruising. And that's okay. There's a place for that. I actually love those rides because you end up just chatting and spending time with somebody. Um, but for me, I, I guess summer wouldn't be a summer. It wouldn't be restorative if I wasn't putting in these types of okay, we got to practice this. We got to get the gear together. I, I love the ritual of it. I love like the anticipation of it. And then the morning itself where you're up at the crack of dawn, driving usually several hours, getting through sign-ins and starting gates and all this stuff. And and the the countdown goes off. And I often repeat throughout the activity, I love that I get to do this. I love that I get to do this. Even while... I may be experiencing some physical suffering or strain. 
there are things where it's like, I, I wouldn't actually come off the summer feeling as refreshed if there weren't these categories of of risk and of trial of some kind. Totally. It's huge. I know that some of you who are listening may go, I can't handle risk in this season. What you were talking about sounds terrible. That is okay. The old practice of reading the season that you're in and then identifying activities that support the season you're in, do that. But here we are in the middle of the summer looking generally at, let's say, you've got two to two and a half months of it left with the goal uh, that summer would do the thing in your yearly rhythm that it's meant to do, uh, that it would restore you, that it would build you, uh, that it would uh, be a time of joy, uh, of the seasonal joy that you need, you will probably want to identify something risky, at least slightly, to go try. It might be renting a boat to go fishing. Uh, It might be buying a a bike to rebuild. And I think a good heuristic would be if, if you fail and it would be devastating, don't do that. Like, uh, whether it's relationally or it's a project or it's physically or it's danger. Um, I feel like the right level for the risk that we're recommending here would be if you fail, that would be a bummer, but it would be fine. Uh, and inside that, inside that kind of risk, uh, inside deliberate play, uh, deliberate Sabbath, I, I, I feel in this conversation uh, some hope and some even expectation emerging for, mm. oh, yeah, there are some things that I can do that I will really love. And no matter what's happening on the earth, I can still do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just struck by the things I'm longing for, the restoration I'm wanting, that sense of engagement isn't going to happen on autopilot. It's not going to happen passively, which is true for essentially everything. But thinking about what I'm longing for and needing in this specific moment in time, it is to come away feeling more full, more refreshed at the end of these warm months and these are some of the ways that we're going about it. 